Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Where does this beat rank on your favorite beats that you have been uh, shown to by me and Wes Bryant? Where does this one rank for you? Um, see, I'm on, I'm on your page. I mean, this is up there. I like it. I just like when I see you dancing. I want to see just how much you really like the beat. Maybe you're just dancing because you're in a good mood. You're getting more airtime today. Yeah. Even with Wes feeling a little under the weather, that's why he's not here today. I know you're not exact. I know you're not excited about it, but also it's the well. At least I get more airtime, and as we joke, we know you love your airtime. Rumors have uh, have it, by the way. Um, and over the weekend, I became a pretty big insider in the Charlotte sports landscape. Don't do tell that uh, Wes's absence is in large part due to Dak Prescott mm. <laughs> really cementing himself as a at least an MVP candidate. In my mind, in other people's mind, especially yours, maybe the front runner for MVP. MVP, and go ahead, go ahead. After, you know, we had the big argument last week where he said that it was Jalen Hurts by far. And, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, after a 41-21 loss to the Cowboys two years ago in Monday Football, he said, you know what you do with the turd? You flush it and you don't look at it. He did say that. And, I mean, that's the performance he put on the field last night in AT&T Stadium as Dallas beat the Eagles 33-13. to So people don't think that, you know, look, Wes is maybe a little sick. I think he was afraid of a little fitty confrontation about (laughs) Dak and the boys (laughs) really making it known that maybe this year Mm -hmm. is the year to believe. I'm sure. But so I know it might shock you. I actually don't think that was the reason. I don't think that he was afraid of the fitty confrontation, as you put it, because you know what the answer would be. Dak Prescott beat Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, and he looked very good. Had the bad fumble. I mean, maybe a little off mark, but now we're just, you know, the guy had some great throws here, and they put up 24 points in the first half. Dak Prescott, yeah, he's already been in the MVP conversation. I think he's the leader in the clubhouse. What Wes would do, though, is he would tell you that Brock Purdy should be the leader in the clubhouse now. (laughs) What I'll say is, like, if we go back to a couple of weeks ago, and I forget who they beat then, but I think it was, uh, oh, it was Philadelphia. Yeah. It was Philadelphia. Goodness gracious. They beat Philadelphia, and Brock Purdy had an excellent stat line, but it was all screen passes that Debo Samuel just took to the house every time he caught it. Jawan Jennings breaking some tackles because he's as physical a receiver that there is in the league. That's a Frank Reich uh, dream if there ever was one. Yeah, physical receiver or just screen, screen passes, passes going to the end zone. Yeah, well, and I think we'd love it too if that actually did the end zone part. We're, we're doing the screen pass part. We're just not. We're not even doing the first down rather than touchdown stuff. Then you go to George Kittle and he's breaking tackles. So all four of those touchdown passes that he had against Philadelphia. They were right at the line of scrimmage. Hey, man, not in this game against Seattle. Brock Purdy was dealing that thing. He was. He was great pass to George Kittle, where even Trent Williams told you in the locker room afterwards, don't know why people say he's a system QB. He's layering it in over the linebackers, but underneath the defensive backs. And then the wide receivers are doing the work after it. But more downfield throws here and very accurate during doing so. It, this game, even if the stat line wasn't as impressive as it was against Philadelphia, I thought this game was by far and away more impressive from a Brock Purdy standpoint than what he did against Philadelphia. 
this game, I thought he was good, but I'm still going Dak. Yeah. I'm still going with Dak Prescott, the way that he's throwing darts, seeds, whatever we want to say, just throwing rockets down the field. That Brandon Cook's reception at the end of the first half, I was right there with Chris Collinsworth. I was right there with Chris celebrating just how great of a seam throw that was. And that's what he loves to do, work the middle of the field. We'd love to see Bryce Young do that a little more. We'd love to see wide receivers start to do that a little more where you're able to actually score a couple touchdowns. But, Fiddy, that can't happen if the play calling continues to be as bad as it has been in crucial downs. Because they ran the football really well yesterday. And it's not like the greatest yards per carry average, but I'll take a 5.2 yards per carry average with Bryce Young helping out, having 40 yards on three carries, 39 carries overall, 204 yards, over 5.2 yards per carry. Chuba Hubbard had 23 totes. Miles Sanders had the big 48-yard run. By far the best play that we've seen from Miles Sanders maybe second to holding his hands back on the Adam Thielen fourth down conversion against Houston. But other than that, from an actual what he did standpoint, 48-yard run was the best that we've seen. And yet, on fourth and one and goal line situations, Thomas Brown is not running the football, which is by far the best part of their offense right now, and instead deciding to throw it. Line up more in shotgun. And even with me embracing some creative looks, even in short yard, uh, short yardage situations, this is not a team that has the luxury of being able to, you know, put guys in motion, fake it here, fake it there, and then boop, you know, you hit a touchdown. Like we just don't have that. And so it seems like the smarter thing to run the football. And Thomas Brown isn't doing it. Not in crucial situations. He is with the overall script of the game. But he's not doing it when it's fourth and one, third and one, goal line situation. He's not doing it anymore. Here's Bryce Young on why they took so many deep shots, too. It's the even attacking downfield when you only need a couple yards. Here's Bryce Young saying this is why they took so many deep shots on short yardage scenarios. There's a lot of factors that go into it, um, you know, whether it's just the overall, um, you know, overall things in the game. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of factors. And ultimately, I'm super grateful for that trust. And, um, you know, it gives us the best chance at explosive. It gives us the best chance. You know, that, that's, that's Coach Tabor and, and, and TB instilling trust in, in us as a unit, uh, especially in the, on, the, as a, on the back end, but really everyone. Um, and especially as a quarterback, it's my job to make sure that, that that's paid off and that, that, you know, that trust doesn't go for granted. So I, I have to do a better job. There's, you know, we were in positions to execute. They lost nine yards after Miles Sanders put them right there at the one-yard line. Next play. By goal line opportunity. Now you got a third. Now you got a, a second or third and 11 after that, right? So you have the first down and then eventually you get sacked. And then it's a third and 11 scenario. You got to kick the field goal on fourth down. Third and 11 after being set up at the one yard line. No penalties. Just, nope. just a sack. Two throwing situations when you're there at the one yard line. And here's the other thing about that play too. Most people are really going with the decision to throw it but remember on first down i get it to a certain extent but miles sanders shouldn't have been running that football short yardage situations have been better suited for chuba hubbard all year long it felt a little if we'll go back to san francisco for a moment when christian excuse me when debo samuel had a really nice play to set up San Francisco at the one yard line. He almost got the touchdown, but he didn't get it. And then Kyle Shanahan gives it right back to Debo so he can go ahead and score because he was so close. You made a great play. Let's award you with this touchdown. It felt like Thomas Brown might've done that with Miles Sanders because 
there's no other reason to pick Miles Sanders as the guy. I mean, think about it, Fitty. After a big old run like that, when you run 50 yards downfield, a lot of times you'll throw another running back in there because that guy with the big old play just got tired. So not only could he have been tired, but also we're talking about somebody that's clearly worse in short yardage situations, clearly someone that is not as physical a back between the two, and yet you give it to Miles Sanders on that very next play. And what happens? He gets tackled for like a one-yard loss. Not anywhere close to the end zone. Next play, you decide to throw it. Offensive line, not good in pass protection. Shocker. Bryce Young gets sacked for what would be a third and 11 scenario. I didn't like the player they gave it to on that goal line stand. And I didn't like the fact that they did throw it on, you know, second and third down. You can feed Debo Samuel the ball when you're maybe the best team in football. But when you're when you're one and eleven, you don't need to be trying to reward people to get their touchdown number so they get their contract incentive bonus. Like Thomas Brown, who I don't think this year is going to be an indictment on his NFL coaching future. I certainly hope not, at least because I think he was set up from word go to fail. But this is like this is your audition if you want to be a play caller in this league. Uh, I would say at this point, his next job will probably be. He'll probably be back in L.A. as some, you know, offensive analyst, position coach or anything like that. But that's something where, like, you know, Chris Tabor said, I'm I'm thinking one, three, five plays ahead. That's the one where Tabes, CEO, get in his headset and say, put Chuba in the game. We're handing the rock. He's going to get us that one yard. It's football is a game of inches. Mm. And I think we've learned with the Panthers and you said it, you know, throughout the first hour of the show. Their margin of error is as slim as any team in the NFL is right now. And that one error by not giving the ball to Chuba results in a one-yard loss. Now you're throwing on second and goal, which I don't necessarily hate because this is a throwing league. I don't mind you throwing it on second and goal, but then you get sacked. Now you're out of field goal range. And yeah, so, Yeah, second and – this is where it's tough because – uh, going back to the Debo Samuel example, that's Debo freaking Samuel. Yeah. That's not a bad play to put the football in his hands. More often than not, this year, it's not been a good play to put it in Miles Sanders' hands, especially when you're one yard out. A guy that we have questioned pretty much from word go, is he running hard? Because, like, you know, the same guy we saw in Philadelphia, just like that same effort hasn't translated here to Carolina. And I don't think we know a big reason why is the offensive line isn't as good as what they have in Philly. The scheme is not as good here as it was in Philly. But, you know, and then when you're talking about the second and ones and the third and ones and the fourth and ones and we're in shotgun and we're throwing – we're not throwing slants or pick routes. We're throwing 15, 20, 25-yard pass plays. Guys, you need a yard. And it's it's hard for you enough to get the 10 yards to get the first down – Why are you going for chunk plays when they're not there in this offense? I think that's what's frustrating for a lot of people. It's Thomas Brown in a couple of key play calls went to stuff that had not been working all year. He went to the deep passing game, which is clearly the biggest weakness of this offense. Yeah. It's throwing the ball downfield. And so I hate saying uh, offensive coordinators try to get cute. Look, They all do. You're trying to, I understand, like, there's value in being creative. There's value in trying to play chess to the point where, oh, they think we're going to just be running this up the gut because it's a short yardage situation. We're going to try to see if we got a chance on the outside. But it's not been anything at all this year that has been good for Carolina. That has not been a successful play. 
you don't have guys that can win on the outside. Nope. And so that's what you're dialing up. When you take deep shots to whoever, pick your pass catcher. Adam Thielen is the only one that if he has enough time, he can create some separation downfield. He's had a few big plays here and there. Most of the time, he's working closer to the line of scrimmage. But Fiddy, he's been Mr. Third Down, Mr. Fourth Down for this team. That's who they go to. And here they are taking deep shots, or at least within like, you know, four-yard passes. But it's the deep shots. It's the throwing anyway. They go to Chuba. They should go to Chuba in those situations too, but they're not. They were one and seven. And you give it to Miles Sanders in a situation where he's not been successful all year long. That's that's the that's the big takeaway. When it came to crunch time, when it came to key play calls to keep them in the game, you know, what? Dare I say win it? Give them a chance to win? Key play calls. He decided to go with an, a brand of offense that hasn't worked for this team all year. Yeah. And that's our problem with Thomas Brown now. I hope you're right. I hope that this isn't used as an indictment for him to get a future offensive coordinator position or head coaching job. But you do have more evidence now as to suggest, oh, you didn't make great decisions. It's all part of the learning process. I think Thomas Brown, you know, absolutely smart enough to get the benefit of the doubt should be smart enough uh, to to get the benefit of the doubt to get another job. I, I wouldn't think too twice about it, right? Like, I okay, I'm I'm here. I'm here for Thomas Brown to be on my offensive staff. But yeah, you're not hiding behind Frank Reich anymore, and you used to, and it was legit, and you did a good job getting a win against Houston, where it was the best that we've seen Bryce perform all season long. That's your game. That's the game that you called. And that matters for a team that only has one win. You got the only win under your belt as play caller. That matters. But it was bad yesterday against New Orleans, just like everything was. It's Wes and Walker, Josh Fitty Marlowe filling in for Wes Bryan. Let's play some audio from Boston, our end of the uh, week couple shows that we had just last week when we were up in Boston talking with Ross Tucker, so many NFL guests, so many college football guests. What's the latest on the Bill Belichick rumors? We'll get to that in just a moment. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The... McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Weston Walker back at it. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Lots of people texting about Bryce Young soundbite. I didn't read that as I was talking about the play calling, but I think uh, one of our guys was writing in K-Town Mafia. I think, yeah, here he is saying, can we just replay Bryce's post game every week? He gets up there looking like somebody took his lunch money and to his credit tells you he has to be better. Problem is he's not usually at the top of the list who needs to do better. And there were a few people saying, you know, there was a lot of ums in that comment from Bryce Young. 
most people also point out that he just doesn't seem as confident as he used to. And he's always been soft-spoken. Plenty of people talked about his voice. But even so, you can tell that there's something different. And it's not going to be fun to go to the podium after playing at Alabama. Down years, quote-unquote, for Alabama. It's not going to be fun to go to the podium and say, no, this is why we lost. This is why I have to defend this play call. We have trust in all the guys that are here on this roster. I have trust in myself. And then, you know, we'll hear it again. After all these division foes, Tampa, we'll hear it after that game. Saints, Falcons, doesn't matter. We're going to hear the same thing after every single game. And we're going to see largely the same result. I thought there were signs that were pointing towards the positive in the last game they played against Tampa. Yeah. I really did. Um, they competed harder against Tampa, I thought. They did. The, the play calling wasn't as bad, but we. The, the reason people, I think, were frustrated with Thomas Brown in that game, too, it was the goal to go were the fourth down conversion attempts, the third yeah. down conversion attempts. It was those situations, and now Thomas Brown is getting criticized for that very thing again. It's not necessarily, I think, the play calling overall, where Frank Reich just, they were frustrated. The fan base was frustrated with all the screens, all that. They wanted to run the football more, and it's proven to help this team more so when they do commit to the run. But it's the, all right, now it's, you're going to have to convert on those to win. And and I'm just looking back at the play-by-play here at Fiddy. Turnover on downs, last thing you do, deep right to DJ Chark. You pass to Blackshear, which we even like Raheem Blackshear, but they don't use him. So think about what you're doing. You're dialing up plays for guys that have not been productive or that have not been used a lot this season. So your go-to play calls in some of these scenarios have been deep right to Chark, which has not worked at all, pass to Raheem Blackshear, Miles Sanders up the gut, who hasn't been good running physically. So that those are the things you go to in order to help this offense when they haven't helped the offense all year long. Those can't be your go-to plays, and that's why I understand the criticism towards Thomas Brown today. Yeah, no, your your, your fourth down play call should be your 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 money play calls, like the, the the play calls that you know that you do well, like like your identity play calls. Guess what? This team, this offense, does not have an identity. Going back to that Bryce comment, the best part I loved about his answer was he said two separate times there were a lot of factors that go into deep shots on fourth and one while not explaining what those factors were. Bryce, you 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 work for a quarterback or you, you work for an owner that loves a snitch, that loves hmm. throwing guys under the bus. You could come out looking better in the eyes of Dave Tepper if you throw Thomas Brown under the bus than if you get up there and defend him. So just start like at this point after the after the article we got last week from Joe Person and Diana Rossini, I now want chaos in press conferences. I want guys publicly throwing guys under the bus. <laughs> quit, <laughs> quit, 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 quit the private crap. Let's do it in public, baby. We're one in twelve. Um, yeah. Well, we're we're getting even Chris Tabor, who is up there at the podium, saying, "Yeah, everything's frustrating right now. Everything is a problem." Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's why it goes back to the, yes, we're in worst season of all time territory. Chris Tabor, his comments even sound like that a little bit. Now, we also talked about the fact that things can change very quickly in the NFL because of how the league is constructed. I wonder just how quickly things would change in Carolina if Bill Belichick was their head coach. We talked with Ross Tucker. We were up there in Belichick land, Patriot Place, Gillette Stadium. We were up there doing all that stuff in Boston, Massachusetts. 
and Bill Belichick was a big old conversation point. Ross Tucker joined us on Media Row, and he said Belichick might not be the best marriage with Tepper, but clearly it's somebody you have to entertain hiring. That that would not be a good a good marriage, but I think he's still going somewhere. I think he's going to Washington or Carolina, because don't you feel like on some level, Tepper needs like credibility. Like, don't you think Belichick would at least give him credibility and like reset things down there in Carolina? Because it's kind of hard to argue with hiring arguably the best coach of all time. Then why is everyone doing it though? I I hear you. It might be a hard argument, but. Lots of people are doing it. And there is also a reason. Think about this. The very franchise that he won six Super Bowls for might just be moving on because it has not been successful post Tom Brady. So if New England, if Robert Kraft, if that fan base is okay with moving on from Bill Belichick, we're supposed to open up our arms and say, welcome, Bill. We would love to have you. We can understand what happened in previous years of him winning a bunch of championships. We can understand what happened putting together some of the best defenses we've ever seen. Consistently. It's crazy what he did on the defensive side of the ball. Tom Brady, we can have that argument, whatever people have had it. Who's more responsible, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Man, those defenses were crazy good for a very long time. Like every year, you never saw them finish worse than 15. They were always above average, and most of the time they were like top five. But it just hasn't happened in an ever-changing NFL. And if this if Bill Belichick, who has all this success, I can understand putting his shoes on and thinking, I got six championships, y'all. Why am I going to give up control? Y'all crazy? David Tepper, what have you done? David Tepper, hey, Bill Belichick, I got some advice for you. Oh, yeah, no, that's cool. What's your record? Worse than the Charlotte Bobcats all time? Appreciate the advice, Tep. Why don't you sit this one out? That's what Bill Belichick just might say. And honestly, as much as he would have the upper hand in that argument, that means he would use that same argument to take control over personnel decisions, which he clearly has not been good at. This is somebody trading a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu. This is somebody that's drafting Nikhil Harry in the first round. Who are the wide receivers that you feel comfortable to give to Bryce Young where Bill Belichick is going to make that decision? Because... You want some separation. It ain't going to come via Mohamed Sanu or Nikhil Harry. So that's why I don't want Bill Belichick. Yes, it doesn't mean that he hasn't accomplished all of this incredible stuff before, but he hasn't accomplished it in the last five years or so. I, I think there's a couple things, because like this this might be the, big, the, the biggest catch-22 in the history of the NFL. Because how do you say no on the surface to arguably the greatest NFL head coach we've ever seen? I know Wes said last week that, you know, without Brady, he isn't the greatest coach of all time. But with Brady, look, I mean, they, they had to have each other to achieve all the success that they had. One is Ross Tucker said that this could be a reset for Bill and for Carolina. At Bill's age, does he want to reset as a head coach of the National Football League? B, what does he think of Bryce Young? Because if his evaluation of Bryce Young isn't very high, are you giving him another quarterback that he doesn't think highly of? And we're, we're playing the quarterback bench game like they are in New England with Macaroni Jones and Bailey Zappi every other week. Um, and then the, the, the biggest thing is, yes, how do those two egos mesh? Because I think Bill Belichick is the only guy that could walk into that room and, 
and definitively tell Dave Dave Tepper what's up. This is that's that's always been a hard argument for me to buy. This is why we already lived with uh, with this in the Charlotte Hornets early ten or recent history, I should say. People were so frustrated with Michael Jordan for hiring Mitch Kupchak as the GM because it's all about the Carolina Blue Mafia, which fully exists, by the way. It is. It's real. I will not. I will not act like that's not real. I tell the joke all the time. I remember going down for an interview one time in the tunnel and seeing Brandon Robinson rolling a card of basketballs, like doing a double take. What Brandon's here? Wait, Jackson Simmons, you're on the coaching staff. It's totally true. The Carolina blue mafia. It's a real thing. It exists, but don't you want someone that you're closer with? If you're Michael Jordan, like if, if you're a fan of the Charlotte Hornets, for me, I'd like for him to hire someone that might be able to get through to MJ on some of the personnel decisions. Because if it's somebody that did their own thing, they don't know each other all that well, but he's got this big personality and this bravado and this aura about him. Could it be threatening to the owner that is supposed to hire him in the first place? That's why I thought when they brought in Mitch Kupchak, thought there was enough there for that to be a good decision. And really, all the, th- the only thing that mattered was could he get through to MJ on some of this stuff? Could Belichick? Those two don't have a relationship like that. Is Tepper going to see Bill Belichick try to take control over everything and then dismiss David Tepper whenever he wants to, like whenever he wants to give advice? David Tepper, it's so easy to say they just need somebody to stand up to him. In that article, apparently Frank Reich did. Apparently he did. Yeah, but Frank Reich was 41 and 45 as an NFL head coach. You don't have the credibility that Bill Belichick has walking in with. I mean, he's going to be the winningest head coach of all time, and he's got six Super Bowls. The first first problem is... Is could Dave Tepper hear him? Yeah, you know, Dave, um, you, know, you need to stay out of my way and let me do my thing. Is that good? Okay. I want to know if the listeners can hear when you go that low. <laughs> does, does everyone, when you have a longer Belichick impression, do people start to turn that thing all the way to the right on their dial just so they can hear you? Or are they just rolling with it and then waiting for you to get done? And it's funny, the mumbling, even if they can't make out what it is, I want to know if that's funny enough to them where they just deal with it and then move on to normal volume. Here's also what makes it complicated, Walker, is if you're hiring Bill Belichick, you're hiring him to be the football coach. You're not hiring Bill Belichick, the GM. That's probably going to be the biggest pushback. I think Washington, their new ownership group, I think they're willing to try it because, believe it or not, it's a little bit worse there because of just how bad of a human being Dan Snyder is where they're just trying to win back. It, it, that's the thing about the Snyder stuff. Like, I, you know, I, I hear you. I don't mean to stop you in your point, yeah. but the Snyder comparisons, I'm with you on that, not wanting to make them because there's some bad stuff about that organization, even off the field. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put Tepper in that neighborhood. So I feel like, you know, Washington might be willing to give him full control over roster and everything like that. I don't think that Dave Tepper should be willing to do that. And so what what GM is qualified enough that you could hire that tells Bill Belichick, this is your 53-man roster, go win with it? Because it's not Scott Fitterer. That guy does not have enough credibility as a GM in the league to, to be given personnel decisions over, over Bill Belichick. Here's another good point from Bradley shooting blanks. Go ahead, there it is. Yeah, go ahead and laugh. <laughs> go ahead, get it out of the way. Ha ha, shooting blanks. He writes, hey, Bill is old. He doesn't have time for the Panthers organization. Well, that's why I said, like, you know, does he want to go through a reset? Like, if Bill wants to keep on coaching, he wants to go somewhere where you would have imagined. Like, this is pretty much like, like, like this is Shaq and Kobe in the football world. 
The guy wants a Super Bowl that he can say he won without Brady, just like Shaq and Kobe wanted to win championships without each other. I'm glad you brought up Tom Brady. Thank you. Because <laughs> because when this, this kind of goes back to the whole who's more responsible for the dynasty, Brady or Belichick argument. But we have to remember, Tom Brady got to choose where he went once it was done with New England. And what did he do? He picked the perfect roster for him. Mm-hmm. Jason Light did an excellent job of building that team through the draft. And then Tom Brady parachutes in, reaping all the benefits of it, which is more than fine. Tampa Bay clearly benefited from it, too, because Tom Brady was still playing high-level ball. But he gets to pick the roster. Belichick, not being the coach of the Patriots anymore, from all these vacancies, might want to pick his own roster. Is there any way that Belichick, there's another team that might want him to the point where he says, no, nah, I don't really want Carolina's roster. They got a good defense. We can do well there. But honestly, New England's defense is good right now, too. So with Brady getting to pick his literal perfect scenario by going to a team with already a great defense in place, having Chris Godwin and Mike Evans on the outside, being able to tell, hey, Rob, do you like Florida? Do you want to party in Tampa? Cool. Come down to Tampa with me. All of that was working in his favor, and he set up the perfect situation for himself. If Bill Belichick wants to win a Super Bowl like Tom Brady did without the other one, Belichick, is this going to be his Tampa? Because the way the roster is constructed right now, you're going to have to build towards something in a couple years. I said things can change a lot in the NFL, but man, they ain't about to be a Super Bowl contender next season, or it's going to be a long shot even two years from now. I mean, Tampa, they're ready to roll right away. Yeah, they were they, they were legitimately what Scott Fitterer said we were back in the pre-draft process. A quarterback away. They were a quarterback away. And the more you dig into the Belichick stuff, if if if, if you know, and I mean like, you know, because you know, you do what we do, we we research these dudes. His dream job, the only other job he he's he was ever really actively said he'd ever coach would be the Giants. Um I don't think Brian Dayball is going to get fired in New York. Um, because I do think he's a really good head coach. But the guy that Bill Belichick worships and idolizes himself after is Bill Parcells. Guess who Bill Parcells is, who, who told him to be the best owner to work for? Who's that, Fitty? It was Jerry Jones. And which doesn't make a lot of sense because, like Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones ran off Bill Parcells. But if, if Dallas falls short in the postseason, I do think Mike McCarthy's job is on the line. And there's no denying that that roster, that situation is much better than Carolina's. And then you've got the L.A. Chargers, who maybe have the best young quarterback that Bill Belichick could go and, and, and mentor and, and maybe extend his career and win a lot of games with. It's a big city. Um, you know, he'd be in the spotlight for him and his uh, him and his family. There's something he has kind of hit it, you know, hit, hit from in New England. I think it would benefit his legacy if he got out in the open a little bit more and was more publicized in NFL as the coach. That's going to be the thing is that as much as it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to hire Bill Belichick, there's also just a lot of outside factors that are outside of Dave Tepper's control if that's the guy he wants to bring here to begin with. And it also is going to, yeah, does, does Belichick have any leg to stand on or is this going to be the only vacancy that's actively pursuing him? I just, I, I just find that so hard to believe. But maybe, I mean, I have like I wrote it down as as a bullet point, you know, on, on our show sheet. He could be to the NFL what Greg Popovich is to the NBA. Like he might be the sport's best coach, the greatest coach of all time. But their days of winning championships could be over. Like and look, I know Pop has got Wimby, 
But how far are the Spurs away from winning another NBA title? You would say on paper at least three to five years. The thing that clouds all of this with Belichick, too, it's the fact that they had a first-round pick from Alabama that they were supposed to develop, and he chose Matt Patricia, a defensive coordinator, failed head coach with Detroit, as that guy's play caller. Is there any way that he would show loyalty and bad decision-making at the expense of the development of the guy that we've invested so much time and money and assets in here in Carolina with especially David Tepper. 704-570-9610, the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. It's off and rolling because of you. We can read some of those texts on the other side of the break. Fitty, he asked me in the fishbowl if we could talk a little baseball today. And yeah, there's a certain contract we'll be talking about. Somebody close to a Billy? Woo! Crazy. A Billy. <laughs> I was not prepared for that. A Billy goat. <laughs> Who got paid like a Billy goat this weekend? It's Wesson Walker coming up next with Fitty. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. quarter two today going with some wheezy me and Wes actually had a Lil Wayne conversation this weekend about the Carters where you were when he dropped each version of the Carter so you're a big the mob fan Fitty you said this was Carter two it was uh I mean now now it, it goes down the rankings oh why you like Carter three better well I mean after coach Carter then it's Carter three okay Carter what about Vince Carter you know where's he oh don't no oh no am i did i just stumble into what's going to be a bad take about vince carter from look, you look great great dunker um you could argue one of the greatest stat compilers in the history of sport <laughs> that's like my favorite player you're talking about oh I, I i know i know and look carolina vince i'm there for him baby i think one of the biggest downfalls uh, of dean smith and bill guthridge is that they never won a national championship with you know, the crew of Carter, Jameson, you Stackhouse. You hate that team. The more we talk about... Because they didn't win. We, we talk about individual players, you know, every once in a while. You had a surprising take about Ed Coda. I don't think you love Jameson, or do you? Oh, I, yeah, no, Jameson. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's the guy, like, when I read about him as a kid, and the way they described how quickly he would get the ball and shoot the ball, I would try to emulate that in the backyard. All right, so this leads me to a question. You talk about reading about athletes as a kid. That's exactly what I did. If it wasn't a sports book, sorry, I wasn't getting the accelerated reader points. I just wasn't doing it. I wasn't going to go to the pizza party. If there weren't enough sports books to read, Matt Christopher, big shout out to that line of books. All of the biographies of Hakeem Olajuwon, Bo Jackson, Charles Barkley. Remember all of those bios that I would read. What was your favorite thing to purchase at the book fair. That's oh. what I needed to know. 704-570-9610. Carolina Men's Clinic text line. Your favorite thing to buy at the book fair as a kid. 
704-570-9610. I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. I always was a big pencil game guy. I wanted to make sure I got the cool pencils that would come out. But it was always some sort of sports book. Um, like, I was a big Mike Lupica reader growing up as a kid, so I read a lot of his work. Um, and if he had Did he some, do stuff for kids like that? Mm-hmm, yeah, okay. yeah. Yep. He's got, like, there was a basketball book he wrote, a baseball book. Um, and of course, I'd watch him on the sports reporters every Sunday at 10 o'clock. Oh, that's some real. You felt sophisticated as hell that Sunday morning, 1030. Yeah. It was something like that. I think it was 1030. An all-time great ESPN show that... Once like that oh, yeah. show went away, you knew ESPN was just going in a different direction. Well, I mean, that was before they would give you the NFL coverage. So right before, depending on what crew you were going to watch, you were going to either watch Fox, CBS, or ESPN before then you would turn it to CBS or Panther Country, Fox, and watch the Panthers game. But before that, Sports Reporters was on for 30 minutes, and they had John Saunders up there, Lupica, Mitch Album. Oh, I loved him. Oh, of course. You got to love Mitch Album. Those were great. Yeah, 704 r- writes in, Matt Christopher Sportsbooks, couple exclamation points. Absolutely. Chase writes in, Goosebumps or a sports poster. See, Mom didn't love me getting the sports posters. She didn't love me putting all those on the wall. I had a couple, but it's like, okay, you can't have 80. So let's chill with the first sports poster I ever had, bringing this back to this combo. Michael Jordan, oh, excuse me, Vince Carter, 2000 dunk contest where he says it's over. And Kenny Smith jobs him with only giving him a nine instead of the perfect possible dunk contest score. It was the four stages of each of those dunks. So that's what I like to get. Um, also, I was gonna I was gonna guess that you might be a Captain Underpants type of guy. Oh yeah. You, You're not wrong. You seem like a it, am I right about that text line? Doesn't Fitty seem like a Captain Underpants type of guy? Captain Underpants, diary of a wimpy kid. I was I was there for all that. Oh yeah. Uh seven oh four, never got a book at the book fair. No money. See, I apologize, man. Sometimes it's rough. Sometimes I didn't have enough money for the book fair. Well, because maybe I spent it all on the first day of the book fair. But sometimes that would happen. Mike from Mooresville, Sports Almanacs, JJ, Eyewitness Books went so hard. I agree with that. The record books, loved the record books that you would have. Sports Illustrated for kids, all sorts. Like, you talk about Nerd Boy Walker hanging out in his room. I mean, just complete nerd dork type of stuff. Looking all at the year in sports from the previous season, looking at who led each team in sacks, who was second, led the team in rushing yards, MVP, all that stuff. Um, lack of nuance, Sean saying chicken soup for the soul. All of that is uh, are some great mentions from the book fair. I, I don't want to take up all your time, Fiddy. So let's go to somebody that does have enough money for the book fair. He would just purchase the whole damn thing. Time now for a visit to the mound. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, Dad. It's gonna be a short game and I gotta get home for lunch. If my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked? You think she'd go out with me? Probably the last time we hear this music for the rest of the year um, as the hot stove. We got one more really big name out there in Yamamoto that we've got to figure out where he lands. But Shohei Otani was the big fish in a very small pond of big free agent names. And, you know, we, we followed this story after he didn't get traded at the trade deadline. After the season ended, where was Shohei going to go? Because... 
Um, you could argue this is the most impactful free agent signing in the history of sports. Um, right okay. up there with LeBron, even though it wasn't publicized like LeBron James. <laughs> um, and he, he, he got he got the bag on Saturday afternoon. A 10-year, $700 million contract from the team that everyone thought he was going to to begin with, the L.A. Dodgers. I got to ask you, though, first, because Wes texted me less than five minutes after the tweet. Yeah. Were you with Wes, and did, did he give a patented... Seeing the Otani bag come through. Sounds like you're passing a kidney stone. Uh, oh, don't put that on me. Um, Wes called me. Oh. Called me. This is what I'm so glad you brought this up, and it's hilarious that he actually reached out to you too, because he could not stop talking about it all night. Where he would bring it up, we'd move on to a different conversation. But 20 minutes later, he would look up at a TV, it might be on the crawl. Man, I can't believe Shohei made 700 mil. 700 milli. That's what <laughs> that's what Wes kept saying. He called me. He was on the sideline of all of the pageantry that is the you know the startup to the Army Navy game. We've got the cannon shooting off to the left, and he calls me. Did you see Shohei got 700 million? And I'm just up in the press box. Yeah, I saw it. It's absolutely ridiculous. He was very excited about that. I saw Nada, our good friend, also on the. Uh, podcast, Four, yeah. Four Corners podcast. Yes, finally making his appearance with you, Fiddy. I saw him say seven hundred million. It was either going to be the it was going to be the Dodgers, and that was basically going yeah. to be it. But that's what we talked about. Seven hundred mil was that figure. My guy Myron Goodman, he tweeted at me after having some fun back and forth with him about how much Shohei was really going to get. Seven hundred was the mark I went with, and sure enough, he makes history with that contract. Yeah, it's the largest contract in baseball history, surpassing his teammates. 12-year, $426.5 million contract that Mike, Tri uh, Mike, Mike Trout signed with the Angels. He becomes the third reigning MVP in MLB history to change teams during free agency. The other two guys, Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez. So, you know, in the same breath as some of the best to ever play the game. I think his money is over $200 million more than what LeBron James' career earnings are so far off of this one contract. Um, it's the biggest contract in North American sports. And I'm going to sit here and tell you I think he's underpaid. I could argue this man Love could it. have gotten a billion-dollar contract because the return of investment that he's going to bring to the city of Los Angeles and to that Dodgers organization is going to be immeasurable. And um, I'm not a Dodger fan. My dad's a Dodger fan, by the way, complained about the move, said it's the dumbest free agent signing in the history of the Dodgers, <laughs> and it's going to backfire in their face. No, Papa Fitty. Um, This is... Right, right with with Juan Soto, we talked about him going to the Yankees. This is this is great, like Tony the Tiger, great for baseball because this is the best player we've maybe have ever seen grace a diamond. I'm not going to argue that it's not very good for baseball. The problem is, I wonder if the impact is overblown, just because. It's not like we haven't seen stars go to these big-time markets before. We had Aaron Judge mania with the Yankees. We've had Mookie Betts, who is as good a five-tool player in all of Major League Baseball. He goes to the Dodgers. Freddie Freeman and NL MVP go to the Dodgers as well. And this is the guy, right? If it doesn't happen with Shohei where they're not marketing him as much and he is not able to bring as much popularity to the sport of baseball, then who's it going to happen with? Yeah, now, I mean, apparently these guys are still well off. I mean, we're talking about a $700 million contract handed out because they can't afford it, by the way. Yeah. 
So it's not like, oh, we'll try to figure out some way to spend the money or try to find the money here for Shohei's contract. They can afford it by owning the L.A. Dodgers. But I just hope that there's still uh, that this is actually true, that it does provide a big impact for the sport. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, there's now I wish the mothership ESPN was still very heavily involved with baseball because they would market the heck out of him. Fox is going to do a fantastic job. When Fox Saturday Baseball comes on at 4 and 8 o'clock every Saturday, the Dodgers are going to be playing on Fox. But baseball needs him in a market. They need him on a winner. And they need him playing in October so he can write his own legacy that he was never going to write with the Angels. And look, I would come around to the idea of him playing in Toronto. Would have been a lot of fun. Toronto's young. They're fun. Maybe he puts them over the top. But he impacts the revenue. Because the ratings in Toronto don't impact the ratings in, in, in North America. And so the money is not going to be the same. That return of investment is not going to be the same. And so, you, you know, I, I look at this when I take my Met, my Met glasses off and I look at this from a pure baseball perspective. This is what baseball needed. And deep down, this is what baseball wanted. They would have never publicly said, we don't want him to be a Dodger because you know, then you're you're literally tampering with your own organizations. But this is where they wanted him. Once it became apparent he was never coming east and he was not going to play for the Yankees, the Mets, or the Red Sox, maybe he'd go to the Cubs. The baseball wanted him in the Dodger uniform, and they got him in the Dodger uniform. I have more book fair text I want to get to on the text line, 704-570-9610. John from Mount Holly, the science experiment books were his flavor of choice. Russell in Vermont, oh, absolutely. Dungeons and Dragons, choose your own adventure books. 704, are we too young for underoos kids? Underoos kids? I think the answer to that is yes. And Joe Ovius, by the way, you know, texted me and said, y'all are talking about books my kids grew up with, and now I'm doing the math on how old y'all really are. Yeah, that happens to people that don't know. Wes is the guy that brings the average age up, and when he's out, it's going to be a lot of millennial conversation with now us. Now, you're what, 31? Just turned 31. I'm 27. Look at us, man. Just a couple of crazy kids in the Queen City. Going to book fairs. Going to book fairs. By the way, somebody else wrote in that apparently the book fair is going on right now. Before I guess they go off for Christmas break. So is Time there is a middle? Is there an elementary school that we can show up and there be no questions asked? <laughs> that sounds very creepy, but I'm kind of with you. I would like to go see <laughs> what the book fair has these days. Last one, JJ said the eyewitness books went so hard, Walker. Yeah, the eyewitness books. I said that I think earlier, but he's put the cover of it, and I remember those covers very well. We got the visit to the mound with Fiddy. Time now to hear his live wire. Michael Vick spoke on Bryce Young. LaMelo spoke about wearing ankle braces. And Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs, they all spoke about the reps last night. We'll play it all for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.